0: You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show, Hour 4. Continuing here in the Douglas Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Week 8 in the NFL gets underway tomorrow evening in Buffalo, Orchard Park, as the Buccaneers visit the Bills. and We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We're joined by uh, Jordan Dajani, NFL writer for CBSSports.com. Jordan, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your morning and uh, talking some football with me.
1: Hey, hey, what's going on? appreciate you having me on the show this morning.
0: Hey, no problem. Thank you, buddy. Uh, we'll start near your neck of the woods there in Nashville. Uh, Titans, they trade away Kevin Byard to the Eagles. Uh, they they just do this. They come swooping in for an all-pro for next to nothing. Uh, is Derrick Henry possibly next there? Yeah,
1: talk about dramatic times here in Titantown. Music City, Tennessee has been kind of a headline around the NFL world this week. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people imagine that the Titans are indeed going to be sellers after shipping uh, Kevin Byard to the Eagles, as you mentioned. But that doesn't 100% mean that Derrick Henry's on the move. I mean, you look at reports on Twitter, which mm-hmm. we don't know if actually amount to anything, um, saying that teams have reached out on Derrick Henry. I would imagine that those are correct, but I feel like the Titans would still want some kind of decent compensation for parting ways with who is not only a franchise legend – but a player who's been the face of the offense for several years now. And you also factor in that Tennessee, um, they have their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who is down with an ankle injury. He may miss a couple of weeks, so now we're going to be starting a rookie quarterback in Will Levis without someone like Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, that's, uh, Derrick Henry is certainly a player that Tennessee would like to have in the fold to at least attempt to compete down the stretch of the regular season, although they reside in last place in the AFC South. So, yes, I think it's very possible that Derrick Henry is moved but I don't think it's a hundred percent going to happen, if you will.
0: Would would if if they want Derrick Henry to be a part of this next, uh, I guess, switch to to either Will Levis. I know Malik Willis might get some love as well, but it feels like it's Will Levis' team. Uh, at least as long as Tannehill's out, it, uh, Henry's a free agent. Is there is there uh, an appetite to extend him, or is it just like let's just play out this year? If we trade him, like what can we get? Like we're not asking for you're not getting a first or second, but you're gonna probably hopefully get something for this guy who's who's an all pro, one of the best running backs we've seen over the last decade.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about fair compensation, I would imagine that a higher day three pick could yeah. be enough uh, to move Derrick Henry. Again, I'm not an NFL channel manager, and I've never made an NFL trade, but that's at least what I would hypothesize. But in terms of Derrick Henry being extended in Tennessee, I think that's absolutely a possibility. I think Derrick Henry would have to understand that he's not going to come close to resetting the running back market Mm -hmm. here in 2024. And he's been very vocal about running backs getting what they financially deserve. So that's an interesting question in and of itself. Uh, If Derrick Henry were to hit free agency next off season, I would maybe guess that he could get better money with another suitor, someone else in the AFC, like the Buffalo Bills, potentially. But yes, I do think that there would be an appetite for Tennessee to re-up with Derrick Henry, it just matters on the numbers being right.
0: Are Titans fans excited to see what Will Levis can can bring to the bring to the show there on Sunday?
1: Yes, uh, it's certainly a weird time because, as I mentioned, trading Kevin Byard makes it feel like Tennessee is going to be sellers like it's the end of an era, like the Super Bowl window is closed, if you will. But there is some cautious optimism for the young signal caller out of Kentucky. I mean, Will Ellis is someone who has uh, armed talent that is extremely evident when you watched him during college. He didn't necessarily have the on-field success that a lot of people wanted from a top quarterback in the 2023 class. But this is someone who definitely can put some zip on the ball. But more than that, Unlike Malik Willis, uh, he's someone who has operated in a pro style offense before. He's someone who started for a big Power Five school in the SEC. Um, So there's some optimism around Will Levis. The problem is, uh, unfortunately, fans have to keep in mind that he's operating behind a bad offensive line, Mm -hmm. a subpar wide receiving core, and an offensive coordinator that has plenty of questions around him. And, oh, by the way, his first defense that he's going to face ranks number three in the NFL right now in the Atlanta Falcons. So it's not exactly the most promising situation for your first NFL start, but a lot of people are excited to get their first glimpse at what could be the future in Music City.
0: Why do teams keep trading with Howie Roseman and the Eagles? I feel like this is like what <laughs> Bill Belichick did, like when the when the Patriots were in their dynasty, they'd come calling for a player that hey, you know this guy's not looking so good over here. Bring him over here, and and teams would jump at it. But you know this is this is what two three years in a row that the Eagles have made a big trade. I mean, second year in a row they've done it with Tennessee. Just why did why did teams just say no? Howie Roseman's calling. I, I don't I don't want to add to that team.
1: You know what's funny is the worst part about the Kevin Byard trade is just for the fact that he went to the Eagles, right? If yeah. you recall, the last trade the Titans made with the Eagles <laughs> included some wide receiver named A.J. Yeah. Brown. I don't know what he's up to these days. Oh, yeah. He's been successful or anything <laughs> like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny because uh, that, that's the main reason that Tennessee fans hate this trade. But in terms of compensation, it's so hard to judge what is fair and what's not fair because on one side, Kevin Byard, yes, he's an all-pro safety. At the same time, he's He's on the wrong side of 30 yeah. years old now. He also has what is what is a really large cap hit, although you could really describe this as a one-year deal. So he gets some money off of Tennessee's book. Um, and at the same time, again, he is on an expiring contract. He was someone who reworked his deal just a few months ago in the off-season, and there were some rumblings, you know, if he was going to be even part of the team in 2023. So it's really hard to to to, to come up with what may be fair compensation. But – uh, again, Howie Roseman is the best general manager in the NFL when it comes to trade deadline. He's he knows what he knows what um, assets are on the available market and he knows what they will cost and he's going to be quick to jump on them. So that's why he's one of the best and that's why Philadelphia is one of the best teams in the NFC. And once again, it seems like they could they're. Set on track to make another Super Bowl
0: run. Do we? Do you anticipate a, a busier week leading up to this deadline next Tuesday? Do you think like uh, we could see a couple more trades trickle in here? Because I know the it's, the NFL trade deadline has definitely picked up in in the latter years. Here, it's uh, comparable to what the what the MLB, the NBA, and the NHL are doing with their deadlines.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to make up my mind if this is going to be a dud of a trade deadline mm-hmm. or absolutely dramatic. And as you pointed out, last year was one of the best trade yeah. deadlines we've seen. Over the past few years, with Calvin Ridley, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Bradley Chubb from the Broncos to the mm-hmm. Dolphins, a lot of deals were made that were pretty impactful. But I will say this: uh, I've been trying to, you know, keep tabs on on buyers and sellers in the league, and I feel like what transpired in Week Seven in the NFL mm-hmm. may have a dramatic effect on the trade deadline. You look at the Minnesota Vikings; they were thought to be yep. big-time sellers at the trade deadline, but. All of a sudden, I think they're sitting at three and four, just scored a huge victory over the San Francisco 49ers. Kirk Cousins looks like he's 100% going to stay put, stay put. Daniil Hunter is in the midst of a career year. Is that a pass rusher that Minnesota really wants to part ways with, with the division still in the balance? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ezra Cleveland is an offensive lineman, kind of a guard slash tackle type that I thought could be on the move. But is he less likely to be treated after a Minnesota's win against San Francisco? Yeah. So I'm keeping an eye on the Vikings. I don't know if they're going to be as big of sellers as many imagine they would be. Maybe you could say the same thing for the New England Patriots. They have several players who people thought could be on the move. Left tackle, Trent Brown. Hunter Henry, the tight end who cut the game-winning touchdown against Buffalo this past weekend. Wide receiver, Kendrick Bourne. New England's not out of the mix just yet either, so maybe they're not going to be sellers at the deadline. If there is one team to keep an eye on, from everything that I've heard, according to reports, it should be the Denver Broncos. Yeah. So that's on both sides of the ball. Um, many people expect at least one of their wide receivers, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, to be moved. You look at defense, I think they got some a couple of underrated linebackers, such as Alex Singleton,
0: and mm-hmm. who
1: would be great additions for a couple teams. Uh, all-star safety, Justin Simmons, could be moved for a couple picks. Maybe the same could be said about Kareem Jackson, although he was just handed a suspension, so that seems unlikely. Keep an eye on the Denver Broncos, but to answer your question, yes, I do think that we are at least going to see a couple of entertaining, dramatic trades come down the wire as we approach Halloween.
0: Uh, talked about the Vikings there picking up a, a massive victory on Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers. Second week in a row, Brock Purdy doesn't look like the shiniest new toy in the NFL. He doesn't have Debo. He doesn't have Trent Williams. It's a little bit of a mess. He's got overthrows there. Just is there some concern that Maybe we've we've anticipated a little bit much with Brock Purdy here, or is it just, you know, this is just the NFL. It's uh, what have we done for me lately, and next week he could look the greatest.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny because Brock Purdy has somewhat turned into a polarizing figure. I mean, you have people in one camp that believe he's the next big thing since Tom Brady, yep. and then you have other people who believe that he's completely overrated because he operates in what is a very favorable yep. sy- or a system, I should say, with Kyle Shanahan. I reside pretty much exactly dead middle and I always have like I think Brock Purdy um I think any quarterback would find success with Kyle Shanahan but at the same time when you watch film and you watch some of the throws that Purdy makes he's operating with great anticipation Mm -hmm. which I think is one of the most important quarterback qualities that you need And he's still a young signal caller, so he's not going to just step on the field and all of a sudden be a Super Bowl contender. But, um, you know, Brock Purdy is just taking his lumps in this league, much like every single other NFL quarterback has done. So, yes, you're right. He's not the next Tom Brady, right? He's got some steps to go before we have that conversation. Um, But the bottom line is that the 49ers are going to be contenders, and I feel like Brock Purdy is an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. He's got a great offensive line to operate behind. He's got a top-five defense to serve as a strong backbone for his franchise. He's got great weapons to work with. George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I could go on and on. The 49ers are going to be contenders. They're going to be okay. Brock Purdy is simply just taking his lumps in this league.
0: Niners got a big one against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. We're talking with Jordan Dijani, NFL writer over at CBSSports.com. Are the Chiefs back to being the Chiefs after that performance against the Chargers?
1: Oh, yes. The Chiefs are back to being the Chiefs. So,
0: you know what's fascinating is that Kansas
1: City's offense, like before this past week, has not been that good. No. Right? like we, we just consider that Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He should be the MVP favorite. No, the truth of the matter was that the Chiefs' offense has not been good this season up until this point against the Chargers when they recorded over 400 yards of total offense. Travis Kelsey had near what was a career afternoon. Well, what makes the Chiefs scary is that while I talked about the offense sputtering out of the gate, it's actually the defense that has really been the support system for this franchise through the early goings of the regular season. This is the best Chiefs defense I think we've seen, maybe arguably in the Patrick Mahomes era, which is the scariest thing to think about for the reigning Super Bowl champions who are perennial contenders. Um, I I think the Chiefs are the only team in the NFL – who have yet allowed 22 or more points in a single game Mm. they are top three in scoring defense the top five in yards per game the Chiefs are back to being the Chiefs if what we saw with the offense getting back on track in week seven um is true so you know I will say this I do think that the Chiefs should be perusing the market at the trade deadline for maybe another wide receiver I do know that they brought McCole Harvey back that's great but McCall Hardman is not some number one outside threat that's going to completely revamp this passing attack. Too many times it feels like it's Travis Kelsey versus the world. I think the Chiefs absolutely need to continue to do their due diligence to potentially bring in another weapon because that would just solidify them as the Super Bowl favorites.
0: Uh, with with Buffalo's struggles, uh, you know, trying to figure things out lately, the last few weeks, Miami can't beat the top teams. It seems are the Ravens right now maybe the biggest threat to the Chiefs in that AFC because that offense looks super dangerous against Detroit.
1: I love the Ravens, and I've been trying to tell people to buy stock in them for several weeks now because, excuse me, we have to remember that they were working in a new offense, right? Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, was out. In comes Todd Munkin from the University of Georgia, and he was implementing a new system for Lamar Jackson. And there were very evident growing pains through the early stages of the regular season. And I kept telling people, just wait. They're going to get that statement victory. They're going to have that explosive afternoon. And surely enough, that explosive afternoon came against the red hot Detroit Lions mm-hmm. at M&T Bank Stadium in week seven. I mean, the Ravens came out passing the ball, not running the ball. They came out passing the ball. I don't think they ran the ball until their fifth play from scrimmage. They scored touchdowns on all four of their first possessions, while the Detroit Lions failed to pick up a single first down until after the midpoint of the second quarter. Mm-hmm. It was dominance from beginning to end. And I think what makes the Ravens scary is that. I have a lot of faith in Todd Munkin, and I think that this offense can be among the more explosive in the league. But the Baltimore Ravens' defense is one of the more underrated units in the Mm -hmm. NFL. I think they rank number two in yards allowed per game through seven weeks. Roquan Smith is an absolute monster. The secondary is is playing above their grade as well. I really do like the Ravens. I think that they could be the real deal.
0: Uh, we'll talk about Buffalo. They got the Bucks coming in tomorrow night. That's that's a pesky Tampa Bay team, and Buffalo's maybe shown twice this season that they could be that juggernaut. Other than that, like it's been kind of a you know, very meh play from the Buffalo Bills. What's the biggest worry from this group right now?
1: It's been very meh. It's been meh for several different reasons. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the offense is getting off to slow starts almost every week, which is something you don't want to see. And we all know that Josh Allen and And Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, these guys are talented when it comes to scoring points. So more consistency can be desired from that unit. I'm not exactly worried about the offense, but I am worried about the defense because Mm -hmm. we have to remember that they suffered several major injuries on that side of the ball. Trenadius White has lost for the year. Uh, All-Pro linebacker Matt Milano is likely lost for the entire season. DaQuan Jones on the defensive line, I think he suffered some kind of pectoral injury, Mm -hmm. and that's not all the injuries that I just mentioned right there. There, there's a lot of reason to worry about this Buffalo defense, and I don't want to be, I don't want to overreact or anything, but we're almost halfway through the NFL season, and I'm, I'm kind of ready to write off the Bills as, as pretenders because I don't know if they can overcome some of these deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I still think that they make the playoffs and I still think that they should reside in the power 10 when it comes to, or excuse me, the top 10 when it comes to power rankings. But I don't know if the the Bills necessarily possess the wherewithal to make a legitimate Super Bowl run with all these injuries on the defensive side of the ball. So how they operate, how they change things up on defense over the coming weeks will certainly be something to watch.
0: Don't look now, but uh, the New York Jets, they're game back of the Buffalo Bills. They're three and three. They're not great. Uh, historically coming out of the bye week in recent memory, but they're taking on the other New Jersey squad, their roommates in the Giants. Call me a sicko. I'm really weirdly intrigued by this battle of New York right now on Sunday.
1: (laughs) How could you not, baby? I mean, this is going to be a fun matchup in my opinion. But when when it comes to the Jets, obviously they're not exactly scoring a ton of points. Mm -hmm. It's been all about defense with Robert Sala. Uh, The Jets have the third highest pressure rate. Despite blitzing at the second lowest rate this season, um, they lead the NFL with 12 and a half pressures per game without blitzing. And just uh, they've overcome a halftime deficit of five plus points in back to back games for the first time since the late 60s. Mm. Um, they, they've been absolutely incredible when it comes to staying poised uh, despite the adversity facing them on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I think that. Zach Wilson is playing a lot better. I still don't think he's quote-unquote good, but he has a lot of weapons to work with in the backfield with Brees Hall, with Garrett Wilson, um, with Dalvin Cook, and the Jets' offense has been just better than it's been under Zach Wilson over the past couple of seasons. But, again, this all really comes down to defense, and the Jets' defense is playing incredibly well right now. I don't know if they can win enough games to stay in playoff contention. That's going to be something to watch. But I think that they should be favored over a Giants team that – maybe without Daniel Jones once again. And who knows if that's a bad thing, to be honest with you, because Tyrod Taylor is actually playing some solid ball. I think he's been more effective at getting the ball down the field. But something I've really noticed is that he's getting the ball out of his hand very quickly, which I think is an absolute necessity when it comes to operating behind this lackluster offensive line that led to Daniel Jones getting injured. So the Giants are no longer a pushover, and I think people realize that their defense has really stepped up their game over the past couple of weeks. Um, You know, keep an eye on the defensive line. I think the trenches have been something where New York has thrived in over the past couple of weeks. This is going to be a low-scoring affair, and I'm excited to see which defense uh, prevails.
0: Uh, It was another uh, ridiculous Sunday when it comes to the officiating, not just the NFL, but uh, college wasn't, uh, wasn't prone to its mistakes either. That Iowa fair catch comes to note, but we're talking NFL. You got the Kenny Pickett in the poor spot, Cleveland twice, Benefiting. Uh, you got the illegal contact uh, on Amari Cooper, but it was essentially Cooper doing the contact and then on the strip fumble. And then on the next play, uh, pass interference, but the ball's in the stands. Is this just a case of, you know, these guys making these guys full-time officials, giving them more money, and just making it their job? Because with, with as gambling continues to take over our sporting landscapes, it, it sometimes makes you think with some of these calls. Yeah, it,
1: it does. I, I mean... <laughs> consistency is something that is desired for the entire NFL league from the top down, right. And, and fans themselves as well. And I, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers has talked about making these guys full-time yep. employees and that's something that could help the product. I don't know enough about that to fully jump on board with that narrative. I do think that these officials need to be compensated fairly because they are a very important part with the product mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that it more comes down to potential review changes, right? We saw Jim Irsay come out just yeah. last night and say that he thinks all these last-minute calls should be reviewable. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm open to any kind of route you want to go where we can just have a complete product, right, where we can have the right call on the field. I don't care if that's uh, an, an official in the box who's been more involved. I don't care if that's uh, more challenge-wise for, for, for head coaches who want rule changes where they can – um, challenge certain calls on the field, like we tried with de- with the defensive pass interference mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. I'm open to any kind of possibility that would lead to more consistency with officiating, because I would agree that it's been very inconsistent up to this
0: point. And I don't, and I don't think like if you do add an extra layer of support for these officials, be like because up in the CFL we have we have the command center, which kind of like. Uh, overviews all the plays and kind of like can radio down to these officials like, hey, you missed this. This should be called. Or like what, what VAR is in 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 soccer and whatnot. You have guys in a room that can radio into the official and be like, hey, you missed this. And I don't think the officials would take offense to that because I think that's a lot of pressure. I think they would, they would want the help. Yeah, I
1: 100% agree. And it's almost like the NFL desires this kind of traditional – refereeing if you will right uh, yeah like they're hesitant to put the gps in the football they're hesitant to have the guy the eye in the sky always radio down for anything that's coming next which i think that, that is something that they need to absolutely be open to so you know the more we talk about this i think it's more possible that we end up seeing changes in the game because i agree that it should be something that is talked about not only because fans want a a, a, a genuine product and they want the correct calls on the field but i feel like the league does as well
0: Jordan, what's your uh, latest you got working on over at CBSSports.com?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to get a hold of Will Levis as he makes <laughs> his first career start against the Falcons. So I'll probably have an interview with, up with him in the coming weeks. Uh, we're having a lot of great gambling content over at Cbsports.com as well. So we're reaching that midpoint of the season. It's really time to decipher which teams are for real and which teams are, not, are for not. And I will not say the trade deadline, we talked a little bit about it. Um, We have a ton of content when it comes to teams that could be buyers, sellers, players that could be on the move. So you will never get bored, and you will never have a shortage of NFL content over at CBSSports.com.
0: Jordan, thank you so much. Uh, We'll do this again very soon, I'm sure. Enjoy the week uh, ahead, and, uh, yeah, have a good one.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, man.